This is a serial podcast, an ongoing story. If you're new to the Orbis Ethereum, don't worry about it. Just jump in right here. If you like what you hear, and I know that you will, you can always catch up later. I'm Carlos. I'm your storyteller. And this is Tales from the Orbis Ethereum. Season 2, Episode 23. Patron of Harvests. Orbis Edge Lighthouse, the Ops Sector. The R&D team, along with other Sector heads, the Sector heads who survived, that is, look through the viewports in disbelief. Outside, Orbis Edge, that infinite wall at the precipice of existence, has changed. Great trails of ether. Torrential rivers of violet and purple energy grow from Orbis Edge, each wider than the lighthouse is tall. They dominate the view, close and far, as if the Orbis itself were caught in some unfathomably mammoth spider's irregular, unruly web. So, um, Parker... Donnelly Fargo starts, breaking the uneasy silence. You're the smartest ether researcher I know. What is this exactly? Parker Grace, senior ether researcher, drain-afflicted savior of the lighthouse, scholar and scientist turned soldier and guardian, doesn't answer. Because she has no... Freaking clue. Um, Parker? Donnelly says. Don't take this the wrong way, but you aren't exactly filling me with a whole lot of confidence. Sorry, sorry. Parker finally answers. I don't know, but we have to prepare. Prepare for what exactly? Silva Cruz, R&D head, asks. Parker simply replies... Mother. As if on cue, a bolt of ether lightning strikes the lighthouse. The whole station shakes, not severely enough to knock anyone in ops down, but hard enough to incite more than a little concern. Ops, come in! A voice shouts from an intercom. Intruder alert! Unheard me of... I don't know what they are! Horns, hooves, like... like goats turn into people, they're... they're monsters, they're... They're demons! They're all over a &E. Our Aethermancers are outnumbered! The SOS suddenly cuts out. We have to defend the station, Parker commands. Find anyone able to fight, Aethermancer or not. Send half to the residential sector to protect the station's people, and half to secure as many mechs as we can. I'm taking Guardian to the a &E sector. I'll, I'll try to draw the invaders' attention. Everyone moves out, obeying Parker's orders as though she was commander of the station. The arts and entertainment sector, the cultural heart of the lighthouse, already damaged from the station's brief civil war, is under attack from a new foe. Years ago, these demonic invaders made multiple attempts on a vessel 
from the other side of the wall. A region of the Orbis that humans on this side don't yet realize exists. They failed many, many times, but they learned. The demonic invaders, goat people with impressive muscles, vicious horns and claws, hooves for feet, and surrounded in a fiery aura, ether itself attempting to remove these aberrations from existence, attack any human they find. Though more than a match for most normal people, the demons don't match up to ethermancers one-on-one. Unfortunately, for those ethermancers who fight to protect the station's denizens, the invaders are legion. Outnumbering both ethermancers and armed non-ethermancers twenty to one. For a heart-wrenching minute, it's a massacre. The demons slaughtering station staff and their families. But, mercifully, does not last. Not with Guardians arrival. Within the four-meter-tall exoskeleton of metal and etheramite is Parker Grace, wired into the mammoth humanoid mech systems, the machine and instrument that turns her affliction, the drain, into righteous power. Parker's eyes survey the fallen. They water, but she blinks the tears away focusing on the demonic invaders. Parker screams, her voice carried to the outside by the mech's audio emitters. And just like that, another massacre takes place. Guardian shreds the invading horde, ripping demons apart with mechanical limbs, blasting demons to smithereens with missiles and ether laser cannons. Each slain demon sublimates into nothingness, their dead forms unable to stop Aether from erasing their very existence. Anyone who can fight, evacuate the people to residential! Parker shouts, Guardian speakers echoing the message throughout the arts and entertainment sector. Keep them safe! I'll handle things here! The people of the lighthouse obey as Parker keeps up the fight. Soon, the goat-like demons are joined by another species of invader. Giant, four-armed women with horns and scales. Demonic beings that are nearly as tall as Guardian itself. With a shout, Parker obliterates one, the tall demon sublimating like the others. But eventually... Even the mighty Guardian is overwhelmed. With countless demons jumping on the mech's limbs and torso, Guardian loses its balance and falls with a crash. Parker is disoriented. When she regains her bearings, she sees what her mech fell on top of. Her favorite little cafe with the lovely view of a the place where she would unwind after a long day. 
the place she'd have engaging, enticing conversations with Altair. It seems so much longer ago than it really was, when she thought her days on the lighthouse would involve more labs and paperwork than, well, this. Parker, in a mech she co-designed with the enigmatic Ares of Altera, fighting evil ethermancers, working for a demon god, hiding within Orbis Edge itself. Not what she pictured. It was not what she pictured when she was tidying up her messy hair and straightening her two big glasses on that transport when she was first taken here. It wasn't supposed to be this way. Parker laments as demons claw at Guardian's joints, attempting to make their way into the mech. But it is this way, she continues. And frankly, I prefer it this way. Parker screams again, feeling Guardian respond to her resolve, the mech drawing more ether from Parker's body than even she knew she had. With that power, Guardian projects an expanding bubble of ether, the energy acting as a wall, forcefully pushing the various demons away. Guardian stands. Listen up, you! You whatever you are's! Parker roars, Guardian speakers turning that roar into a deafening decree. My name is Parker Grace. I am the guardian of this station. You've hurt and killed its people, so prepare yourself because you and your goddamn mother are dead. At that, Parker charges into the demon horde again, leaving countless sublimating bodies in her wake. This time, the monster's impressive numbers are simply not enough. And before long, they are the ones on the defensive, unable to stop or even so much as slow down the rampaging Guardian. Then, all of a sudden, they all stop. The demonic horde, the human-sized beasts with the hooves and the horns, and the giant four-armed demon women cease their attack and back off. Guardian halts in its tracks, Parker no longer able to move the mech. Oh shit, what now? Parker curses. Everything looks okay, why can't I move? Then, Parker hears it, both through her ears and in her mind. It rattles her eardrums, echoes in her mind, a voice that would be soothing if not for how it quakes in the very soul of all who hear it. I am afraid that I am the cause, Charles Troon, mother, answers. Parker sees her through Guardian's HUD, a human woman, professionally dressed, as if she worked at or just came out of any office 
walking calmly through the demonic horde as they make way for her. A human woman, but not. Because she has the same fiery aura as her minions. The very same aura that shows that Aether is trying desperately to correct the disparity. Erase the interloper that threatens the entire Orbis Aetherum. Aether cannot, though. Not while she's still this strong, this healthy. I have waited a long, long time to meet you, Parker Grace, Charles Troon says, both gently and with a disconcerting, thunderous omnipresence. With a simple gesture, Charles Troon telekinetically opens Guardian's cockpit, unhooks Parker from the mech, and pulls her out. Parker, nervous beyond nervousness, sweating, swallowing hard, is now face to face with the demon god, Shar Eltrun. That's it for this episode. I know you enjoyed what you just heard. Wish I could keep doing it forever for you. I don't actually wish that, but it sounded like a good thing to say. Your feedback sustains me. If I had your feedback, I would not need to eat. That's how nutritious I would find your feedback. I want to hear from you, whether you're new to the podcast, whether you're a regular. My site is orbisetherum.com. That's O-R-B-I-S-A-E-T-H-E-R-U-M.com. On social media, I'm at orbisetherum on Twitter and Orbis Ethereum on Google+, Facebook, and Tumblr. This podcast is also on YouTube and Vimeo. Check the podcast description for links. And while I always love hearing from my listeners, I especially love positive reviews, and leaving me one wherever you found this podcast helps me out immensely. I'm on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, and Pocket Casts. Just search for Tales from the Orbis Ethereum. I also have a Patreon, a little tip jar for now. Perhaps someday it will be expanded with rewards and more feature-rich content, but for now, it's just a place where you can just uh, shoot me a little thank you in the way of a nice little bit of change. If you check the podcast description, you will find the Patreon link. This week's shout-out is a somber shout-out. It is to someone we lost late last year, uh, to Carrie Fisher. My own 2016, and even this early 2017, has not been great. And losing Carrie Fisher on top of that was a huge blow. I actually recently released a separate video about my thoughts on Carrie Fisher's passing, and about the terrible misogynistic types who are attempting to use that passing to craft a message that is wholly against what Carrie Fisher fought for. I'm going to play that audio... And then I'll be back when it's done. I think we could all agree that 2016 blows. And the latest blow came with the death of Carrie Fisher. Rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. You were an instrumental part of the success of one of the defining 
science fiction slash fantasy film trilogies of our era. In fact, we don't even need to qualify that with a genre. You were one of the reasons why Star Wars became so successful and household and amazing. And you yourself proved, especially as of late, that you are, were, rather, an incredibly tough, intelligent, funny, inspiring woman. An inspiring human being for anyone. And we are worse off for your loss. It's... And this has to be talked about, unfortunately. Regressive misogynists are using Carrie Fisher's death to to belittle progressive causes she took on, to belittle progressive elements in new Star Wars films, which are absolutely amazing and are only really being opposed by misogynists. Shoutouts to the few people out there who have legitimate criticisms for uh, The Force Awakens and for Rogue One. I don't mean you. Uh, but unfortunately, your voice gets lost in the shuffle. Um, Carrie Fisher represents something we're losing in 2016 of all years, and that's that's a, a progressive identity, an absolutely ambitious and amazing and uncompromising will to move forward in the face of adversity. We're at a loss. Without her, without many people who have died this year. And, and that's all. Rest in peace. All right, those were my thoughts on Carrie Fisher. Let's not end on a downer, though. Let's end by me saying thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And we will meet again. You can count on it. Until then, you take care.